the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and welcome to the Marketing Forward Movement, where we're finally making healthcare all about consumers and innovation. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you're going to be one of the ones leading meaningful change. We have no choice but to move forward, and we need your help to evolve, accelerate, and shift the way that healthcare is experienced. One of the resources we provide to help you to become an agent of change is the Shift.Health Content Network. Folks, Shift.Health is an influential thought leadership platform. It currently includes 25 podcasts and video series. These are the programs that are shaping the future healthcare experience. Our latest video chat series is called The Resilience Journey, and it was created for everyone who is struggling with an unexpected job change, a derailed career plan, or unfulfilling work. Join me as I uncover the unexpected moments in the career journeys of admirable leaders by digging into the moments in their careers that we don't often hear about. If you haven't subscribed yet, go to shift.health to see our member podcasts and video series. Everything is free and available on demand. So here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week that's kicking off season four and issuing each of you a challenge. Then we've got Jamie Edwards in the house to chat about the telemedicine experience and opportunities for innovation all around us. We're so lucky to have Jamie on the program. So it's time to dive in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Season four is here and it marks a turning point. Our industry is at a crossroads, and if that sounds dramatic, it's only because there's a pretty reasonable chance that we look back a few months from now and see one of two things. Either we'll see that the digital transformation of healthcare has indeed accelerated and we've helped, or we'll realize that there were opportunities to do the transforming and we missed them. As I thought about what topics, skills, and guests would be the most beneficial to focus on in Season 4, I continually reflected back on the need to expand beyond historical definitions of marketing, communications, strategy, digital, IT, and patient experience. Because the healthcare consumer experience needs to be integrated, and we've seen how early adopter health systems have only been able to speed up the process by working together. And yes, that has literally been part of the healthcare wrap since the beginning, nearly 130 episodes ago. It's for that reason that we will be diving deeper into two particular areas in Season 4. These two areas have a great impact on our ability to lead the transformation. First, we'll address digital innovation where marketing intersects other disciplines, from health tech to the EHR to the patient experience. We'll speak with leaders in telemedicine, voice, AI, and other technologies that have huge implications for marketing but aren't considered MarTech. The other area where we'll focus is our individual career path planning. 
We'll follow the resilience journey of remarkable leaders and uncover the unexpected moments in their careers as they've recovered or reinvented themselves in innovative ways. It doesn't take long to look at the need to explore these themes further. So as we start traveling down this new road together, I challenge you over the course of this season to start by taking three steps. First, embrace the mess. You've probably tired of hearing me quote Sean Nason, the founder and chief disruptor at Mophie, so forgive me, but I'm going to do it one more time. Sean is an advocate of embracing the mess, which in his definition means leaning into the fear, pain, and discomfort that necessarily accompany a new approach. We have to be prepared to navigate the mess in order to move together as a community into a reimagined future. Second, embrace the sense of community. We're all learning at the same time, and we'll learn faster when we play well together. I'm seeing new levels of collaboration between vendors who previously never saw the need to speak with one another, but now they see the value of partnerships that would have been considered maybe revolutionary a few months ago. And third, embrace your role as change agents. Don't let the nonsense of office politics and unexpected job changes thwart you from raising your voice and doing your part to move things along. Learn to lift where you stand. At the end of the year, let's look back at this moment right now and see how it has catalyzed us to take action. I'm optimistic about the future, and I have a feeling we'll look back together and see more progress towards disrupting healthcare than any of us could have made on our own. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey, listeners, check this out. I've got such a treat for this week. Uh, Jamie Edwards is in the house. And for anyone who's been anywhere, like not hiding under a rock over the last few years, you're aware of the impact that Jamie's attempting to make in digital health. And I'm just, I'm I'm thrilled to have him on this week. He's the CEO and co-founder of Cloudbreak Health, which is a a telemedicine company. He specializes in areas such as telemedicine, hospital management, and physician outsourcing, And he has the distinct pleasure of having something really cool happen. He was just recently named one of the biggest influencers in digital pharma by pharmaceutical technology, uh, alongside a lot of other accomplished leaders. The leaders out there, names you might know, Colin Hung, Brian A. here, John Nosta, Jane Sarasone Khan. Kind of cool company to be in, Jamie. Welcome to the program and congratulations. Thank you, Jared. You got me blushing over here and uh, I'm going back to like, you know, Wayne's World or something being like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Man, you know what? I'm... I think we're almost 130 episodes into this thing, and this may be the first Wayne's World reference. So I'm just taking this right <laughs> off. I'm a look. I'm a, I'm a pioneer. What can I say? You know, I'll, I'll trailblaze on movie quotes. All right, we'll we'll see what else we can wrap in here. I'm going to rack my brain here. I'm going to figure out another way to. Uh, we won't talk about monkeys flying on my butt. That's probably not appropriate. But uh, <laughs> you're bringing me back. This is great. This is great. So, Jamie, you you have a, a thousand things going on as usual. I just want to thank you for giving me a few minutes as we dive into where the digital front door is is changing and and what that means. I always enjoy hearing a conversation with you and, and your comments on what's going on with digital health. This is more than just something that happens on the clinical level, but it's something that clinician, it seems to work best when when the clinical team is leading it, when it's fully understood by the clinical leadership in any healthcare organization. And there are so many other teams that are involved in what's going on with telemedicine today. So without you know having to totally rehash, I think I think people are are pretty familiar with the basics that I've heard. You know everything from the toothpastes out of the tube, the genies out of the bottle, yeah, those kinds of things. But it might be helpful just just hear a little bit more about that. And so as uh, right before we get into that though, what's going on in your world? Like what's either something that's really commanding your attention or or a problem, a new problem that you're wanting to solve? Just just what's kind of in the in the smack in the middle of your radar screen right now? 
Yeah, right now it's all about healthcare access. I think one of the things that we've heard about in digital health, which you know never ceases to amaze me, is when people say, well, God, are all these digital health tools going to be creating too much access to the healthcare system. Like I want to I want to nip that in the bud. Like there's no such thing as too much access to the healthcare system. And in fact, if we can get patients thinking more about early and often access to the healthcare system, it will save the healthcare system billions and billions of dollars and take, you know, these people who should be thinking about their wellness, should be thinking about their diet, should be thinking about their mental health. And the more access we can give them, to those types of services early on, the less likely we are to have these really acute, very expensive, long hospital stays or traumatic cases farther down the road. So I'm all about preventive care. I'm all about digital health tools and the fact that, you know, healthcare is an industry. For some reason, you know, it's risk averse. You can talk about its complexity. You can talk about risk averse culture and those types of things has been late to the digital transformation game. And we've seen other industries completely changed by technology and healthcare up to date hasn't really been one of those industries, but, you know, never waste a good crisis, right? COVID comes along and really helped reinforce a lot of things that we've been talking about in telemedicine for 10 or 20 years. Telemedicine in and of itself isn't a new discipline. We're talking about it like it's this newfangled thing, but it really just represents the digital transformation of healthcare more broadly and being able to integrate technologies that previously people were reluctant to do because they were used to the status quo. Isn't that what it really comes down to? It's not just because that's what we we like to talk about. That's the lens I like to look at the world through because that's the question that has always led me to think like, why are things happening a certain way? It's just what we've grown used to. And the, (laughs) the thought of not just looking to one type of tool or one digital health strategy as the the cure for everything, but understanding how all those pieces fit together. That's already something I appreciate hearing that perspective on it because we can't just think about individual dots out there in, in the matrix, in the universe. We've got to think about how all those dots connect now more than ever or else we're, we are going to lose some opportunities in my mind that, that we may never get back. And the, this opportunity to see things accelerate, to see the digital transformation make some progress compared to other industries. That excites me for sure, that part for sure. Well, you know what it is, Jared? The fact of the matter is that healthcare's issue isn't a technology one. We have all the technology out there to accomplish everything that we need to in today's healthcare system. You know, all the way from administrative, you know, email, from fax to email, right, as we make that transition or cloud-based technologies in terms of data storage and sharing of information and AI and 3D printing. I mean, we've got amazing technologies at our fingertips. What we don't have is a culture that supports the use of those technologies. You know, we have a very complex healthcare system with a lot of different silos in it. Like our problem in the United States is the current structure of the system. It's not that we don't have the technology to solve the problems that we need to solve. I agree. I agree full, full heartedly. Let's dive into our rap battle here because we're going to do a deep dive into the evolution of telemedicine as the digital front door. This is a comment you've made recently on LinkedIn and, and a lot of yep. other channels that, that I want to dig into. Rap battle! 
the rap battle is where we challenge the status quo, as you were just mentioning. We're not just talking about the status quo in one area anymore. All these things relate to each other. And as sometimes we put a marketing spin on it, it's simply to help us understand that, yes, marketing holds one key of this. They hold one piece of the puzzle. And if they choose to use that key and that information, then marketing, when they're when they're doing everything right, they understand the consumer and they understand all the stakeholders involved in what's happening to reach and engage that consumer and ultimately connect people with the care they need. So I see them as a as an important member sitting at the table of digital transformation. And yet, if we're not careful, that they either just tend to, marketers can easily just get distracted with other parts or not just not see how the, all those dots connect in my mind. So when you said this comment, it really rang true to me. You said the digital front door of healthcare has shifted to telemedicine. And then you went on, and this is what you said. For an industry whose entire infrastructure is built around the in-person visit, this shift, while it's been accelerated, still has a long way to go with a ton of growth still in front of the companies who are serving patients and clinical teams nationwide. I'd love to dig into that. Tell us uh, what was behind that. Yeah, well, look, in the industry for a long time, and I still think to this day, if you took take a look at regulations and you take a look at payment structures, they're all really, and, and even how are, we've trained our doctors, they've been trained around the importance of putting hands on body and being in the same room with the patient. And the fact of the matter is, is that that's not necessary in all cases today. And that a lot of the cases they were seeing didn't allow physicians to practice at the top of their license. They might've been seeing some, you know, an, an ER doctor might've been seeing someone with a, a low grade fever or a headache or, you know, something that was an ear infection. And as opposed to worrying about fix that bullet wound or, you know, you know some uh, fix that broken leg, they're really focused on some, some lower grade, lower acuity issues. And what we've seen with COVID is that, wow, these digital health tools that are out there can really help in the lower parts of the acuity funnel. And if we can enable a patient's existing continuum of care with these digital health tools, then all of a sudden the front door of the facility, because right now, by the way, people are somewhat scared of hospitals. They're scared to go in, they're worried about infection, they're worried about cross-contamination, you know, all these different things that, you know, the longer you spend in a hospital, it's not like a hotel where you're in a resort. Like the statistics are the longer you spend in the hospital, the worse your condition could, could possibly get. So people are very focused now on bringing the care to the patients where they are, meeting the patients on their terms. And when you're doing that, telemedicine presents this digital front door. You know, one of the front doors of the hospital used to be the emergency department. And I know that because I used to be the CEO of an ER hospital anesthesia business here in Los Angeles. And we used to talk about the ER as the front door and the ER as the de facto primary care ward in the hospital. And hospitals used to look at their ERs as a cost center, and then they realized they could drive a lot of change throughout the hospital, and all the patients flowed through the ER to try and get into the hospital, or at least most of them. And so instead of being ER first right now, we're seeing the move to digital first and virtual first. And by the way, it just makes sense. Like if you can triage somebody in their home and have them avoid having to wait in a doctor's office or having them leave work or having them need to get childcare because they need to come in and see a doctor, if you can avoid those types of things, you're taking a lot of the friction out of the system. You're better matching cost to acuity in terms of the infrastructure that we're using to service that patient's need, but you're still giving them an escalation path that ends up in that ultimate patient visit. 
And that to us would be the system well-designed. It doesn't work that way today. It's still facing some challenges. There's a long way to go. COVID helped us build a lot of muscle memory as patients and providers with how telemedicine can streamline workflows, can be done synchronously, synchronously or asynchronously, and really a lot of the efficiency that it could bring to the process. And at the end of the day, it's that efficiency that's going to lead to high quality care that's going to lead to major cost savings for the health system more broadly and better patient and provider experience. You know, we have a huge physician burnout problem in this country where doctors had to see X number of patients an hour or they go into their office and they have to see 30 patients a day. Like now shifting that to digital enables them to work a little bit more on their terms and reduce their anxiety and reduce their stress level as opposed to increase it. What are the best and worst results of what COVID has done to this process. We're somewhere on that spectrum of that transformation. What are the best and worst effects so far? I think the best effect, again, is like now patients and providers have exposure to these digital health tools and how they can actually improve their work environments, how they can improve access to care and all those different things. I think one of the things that we've seen in COVID is that it has exposed some of the seams of our telemedicine infrastructure, which are currently being invested in fixed, but we realized that maybe we didn't have enough broadband going into the facilities. We realized that maybe some of these telemedicine companies didn't have enough servers stood up in the cloud to be able to handle all of the traffic and certain telemedicine providers crumbled under all of the weight of all of the visits that they were getting. Uh, We realized that maybe we hadn't set up our physician networks appropriately, right? So it exposed the fact that we probably still had some infrastructure building to do, which I think a lot of which candidly has been done in a very short period of time. I give a lot of these companies credit to initially hit issues and then said, okay, we've got to solve these issues. And they really worked hard to do it. But for me, it's like, all right, we now understand that telemedicine is really just a part of medicine. You know, when we, I, I've said this before and it just, it, it helps it resonate with people that I speak with. When a doctor approaches you with a stethoscope, we don't call it stethoscope medicine that he's practicing. It's just healthcare. And the same is true of these digital tools. I will be happy when we're not talking about telemedicine as being telemedicine, where we're just talking about doing a video call and it's healthcare or doing a phone call and it's healthcare or participating with a chat bot and having that just be healthcare. That is really the goal. I love that. <laughs> I've heard, you know, I've heard the same thing even just about digital transformation. It's like, it's, it's just the transformation uh, right, of what's right, happening. Those tools happen to be the tools that are making new things possible and giving us ways to improve the experience. Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then G-Site is for you. G-Site is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of G-Site and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. It's a suite of solutions, including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. 
Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash gsite to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon. What would you describe as the ideal telemedicine experience? And here's why I ask, because the, the more health systems I talk to, same thing, I, I give kudos for the, the immense, immensely quick turnaround time they've been able to accomplish so much to stand up a telemedicine experience. Yep. But none of them are, are blind to the fact that that's not the ideal experience for the patient or consumer at this point. The vast majority of them have a bit of a friction full experience that'll be a priority for them moving forward. What's the ideal telemedicine experience? You know, it's interesting that you brought up that a lot of people have stood up kind of what is a a not ideal experience right now. So I think that there's definitely was a lot of scrambling and people signed on to a lot of different platforms or point solutions that weren't the long-term sustainable solution. What I would call Mr. or Mrs right now as opposed to Mr. and Mrs. Right. And I think we're going to see a second wave where all of a sudden a lot of these health systems are going to get a little bit of religion here and say, you know what, we need a longer term viable strategy. And we need to think, again, more platform, less point solution. So while a lot of people stood up virtual visits, what they really want to do is surround a patient with the entire strength of their healthcare system with the entire care continuum that that patient needs. So it's not just about a virtual visit. It's about, hey, I'm having a virtual visit. I'm a little bit worried about what I'm, you know, if someone has a digital EKG as a matter, as as a point of fact, like I'm a little bit worried about what I'm seeing here. I would like to bring in our cardiologist or, you know what? I'm a little bit worried about your diet. I want to bring in one of our dietitians. Like being able to bring in that resource in real time and then surround a patient with everything that they need from diet to case management to, you know, if they have a chronic condition around, you know, diabetes or CHF, whatever it might be, that you can bring that resource to them to help them make better decisions about their healthcare. Like that to me is what a great experience is all about. I think the other thing that makes a great experience is all of these healthcare systems practice differently. And I think that's how they differentiate themselves. You know, if the Cleveland Clinic practice the same way that Providence does, practice the same way that, you know, Yale New Haven does as an example, right? Like that's not what makes the world go round. And you want telemedicine solutions that can allow people to differentiate themselves, not just slap a new logo on the same platform that your competing hospital across the way is using and call it your virtual visit experience. Like this is about telemedicine being private labeled, being integrated into workflow And then providing that differentiated experience to the patient that allows you to bring what's special about your health system to bear so you don't look and feel and sound like your neighboring healthcare system across the way who might be using the same platform. Oh, so so I'm being a little facetious here. So you're saying it's not enough just to uh, create a marketing campaign that says, look, we do virtual visits now. Correct. <laughs> Which, Correct. And I, I nailed just, it because because uh, <laughs> I've kind of uh, okay. May, I may have seen that. I may have seen campaigns. May have seen that it. Literally, seen yeah, that. yeah. So you know that to me is where the rubber really meets the road is on turning telemedicine into what is a strategic asset for these health systems, so that they can look at it as kind of the next EM. MR, if you will, right? So if you take a look at the electronic medical record, it's really become the ERP of the hospital system, right? It does accounting and finance and it's their you know, cash register and there's a lot of clinical data stored in it, et cetera. And a lot of 
of these EMR platforms also have started to try and integrate you know, telemedicine into that. But telemedicine is truly the video collaboration tool of healthcare, right? It is the medium over which you can get doctors working together in a team environment to help solve patients' problems. And that's something that currently like the EMR can't even do, right? So when I think about the power of these telemedicine solutions going forward, it's about how you build true team-based care in healthcare. Uh, my head, sorry, I'm, I, I'm going through a, a bit of a, a mind blown moment. So that, that's all that pause was, was, was just pondering what you just said there. Let it sink in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that really opens up the, the, the possibilities of what the opportunities are. Uh, even the thought of turning virtual, virtual visits into a strategic asset instead of, oh, it's something we better do because the guys across the street are doing it. Right. That it's that mindset that I'm trying to to uh, to latch onto and to to help everyone better understand what that means and how do we even think about things. Uh, which first and foremost means that anyone who has that mindset of seeing virtual visits as a strategic asset recognizes and they've done a they've done the research and the homework on what's possible with them, how they can connect a care experience and what all's involved and, and who all needs to be at that table, which would be, as we start to wrap up here a little bit, would be one of my last questions here would be, when telemedicine works right, who all is sitting at the table? Which, which teams at the health system are sitting there and involved? Oh, it's got to be a completely cross-functional team. You need administration to be on the same board as clinical to be on the same board as IT. And, you know, we spend it to be on the same, you know, and clinical is nursing and physician-based and tech-based and, and everything else that falls into the clinical landscape. If you don't have all major parts of the of the hospital ecosystem as part of the decision, you end up with, uh, with a lot of issues. So we always make sure that when we go in and talk to people at CloudBreak, that we are not just being uh, championed by one part of the organization, but that we bring people together early, build a very collaborative team around the decision-making process and around what the needs of that health system were. Because I can't tell you how many times we've seen it before. Clinical will come in and say, hey, we've made a decision. We want this platform. And they throw it over the fence to IT and IT knows nothing about it. And they're the ones who have to implement it and support it and make sure it keeps working. Right. And there's, so you need all of these people to sit together, collaborate, agree on the requirements, and then agree on what the service delivery model is going to be. So we always make sure that we, we do cross functional teams, you know, when it comes to that. I love it. I love it. This is all just eye opening. This is just helping us all understand what needs to happen to make, to make this new vision a reality. And like you said, it's not new. The premise has not just come around because of COVID. That's the the fascinating thing that, that I find. I mean, anyone involved in any healthcare organization, we we have known about telemedicine, we've known about virtual visits and the possibilities for so long. And for it to finally be truly in the in the middle of the spotlight, uh, for it to be being talked about in the ways it has and to have seen the progress we've made is encouraging. Uh, to me, it is. And I think it's it gives us opportunities. Uh, so my last question here, Jamie. Well, okay, yeah. actually, never mind. Second to last, I've got one. <laughs> I have one more after this. Um, All right, perfect. Second to last would be, what's the biggest opportunity that you don't want us to miss? What's the biggest opportunity out there for telemedicine that, that we just need to make sure we, we get? Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is that 
people really only started talking about telemedicine during COVID and they only talked about adoption rates going up in telemedicine during COVID because there was much more virtual visit happening. Like there was much more of the, hey, we want to keep patients out of the hospital. We're going to try and see them from home. What I think people frequently miss is that telemedicine has been in use, saving lives millions of times a year in hospitals across the country by sharing specialties, right? So that B2B healthcare model for telemedicine has been strong for many years. So telestroke, telepsychiatry, tele-ICU. We're talking about millions and millions of people's lives saved around making a decision on whether or not in a stroke situation to push TPA and having that remote doctor be able to beam into an underserved community who might not be able to have that neurologist on staff, but they can now do it remotely and save that patient's life and improved quality of life because with something like telestroke, there's this golden hour where if you don't push TPA within a certain amount of time, you can't push it after that. So you know, those types of things have been happening day after day, year after year for the, you know, the last 10 years in our, in our nation's healthcare system, but no one talks about it, right? And no one really says, wow, that's, that's a pretty amazing telemedicine story. So I would love to bring to light a little bit more of the fact that, you know, telemedicine's here to stay. It's been in use for a long time. It's been saving lives for the foreseeable history of, not foreseeable history, that would be an oxymoron, for the, the recent history in healthcare. And it's been an incredibly powerful tool. And I think it's great now that because of COVID, patients are starting to realize the broader scope of what the B2C market looks like in healthcare and enabling them to get care on their terms where they want it, when they want to have it. Thank you for going there. I think it's it's just, it's important. It's probably something that feels like it goes without saying, but I think that's even more why we've got to say it. We actually have to uh, to point that part out. So my, la- okay, so the, like I said, that, that was the, I'm going to use my vocabulary here, my penultimate question. So so here's the, I haven't been able to use that in a sentence in quite some time, but uh, the last question would be, who do you follow? Who do you listen to? Who do you watch? Who do you like to see what they're thinking about healthcare? Like who, who, who do you like to follow? There's a number of folks. I mean, I am part of a chat called Telemed Now. I'm one of the founders of the chat. And we've over the course of since, you know, the chat started a few months ago and we've already done, you know, a hundred million impressions on the chat. And I learned something from every single chat. So Andrew Watson and, and Ambibot and, you know, the CC Connolly and the rest of the people, Helen Burson and the rest of the people that we do that chat with. I mean, I learn something every single time. And there's so many great people out there with, you know, just really strong thinking. You know, Rasu Shretza from Atrium, John Nosta. There's a ton of folks. You know, if you, we had talked earlier that uh, originally we had met through Nick Adkins. Like, he has created a community of healthcare leaders around the Pink Sox movement that I think has been really, really valuable and actually supporting innovation across the healthcare spectrum. So you kind of have to sometimes look in unconventional corners to find unconventional wisdom. And a lot of those folks, again, learn something from them every time I encounter them. Oh, isn't it great to be part of a community with folks who who lead us to better places and, and there's a true synergy there where the the sum is greater than the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, as they say, you know, the, all those ideas together, I uh, really take us to another place. And I, I love uh, interacting with folks like that who who lead us to better places like that. So, Jamie, just wanted to thank you again so much for for your time here. Where can listeners uh, find you if they want to connect with you? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jamie Edwards or hook up with me on LinkedIn. Just put Jamie Edwards in there and look for Cloudbreak Health. But uh, would love to engage with folks on whatever platform they deem fit. If someone wants to email me, they can DM me through those platforms too. And we can set up a time to get together and talk. But uh, thank you for having me, Jared. It's always amazing to be able to have a really cool discussion about what's happening in digital health. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity, man. Fantastic. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, keep up and see what's next for you. Thanks, Jared. Thanks to Jamie, and thank you for listening. Don't forget to be a part of the Marketing Forward movement. Listen, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's podcasts and video series about shifting the way healthcare is experienced. So on behalf of Jamie and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.